Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. I actually thought about calling this sermon, Do It Like Jesus, but I thought that might be kind of awkward. <laughs> like, hey, I want you to do it like Jesus, but we're not like in a relationship series, so you may have taken that the wrong way. Um, but uh, anyway, I uh, thought about calling it Do It Like Jesus, but that didn't work out, so we decided to call it How to Tell Others About Jesus Like Jesus. How to Tell Others About Jesus Like Jesus. I'm a dad of four kids. Um, for those of you that know me well, you already know that. Uh, we have four kids. Uh, they, they range from in ages from 10 to just over one. Uh, Lex, Cole, they're the oldest, and then there's Ava and Truett, three boys and one little girl, and my little girl is my little girl. <laughs> she is daddy's little girl. She's mama's little girl, too. She's ever, like, she's a lot of people's little girl, because right now, she's the only girl in her generation in our entire family, so, um, so she's special that way. She's cute. She's, uh, she's awesome. I've been calling her recently, I've been calling her Peanut. And she gets a kick out of that. I, we have all kinds of nicknames. Uh, like, nicknames just roll off our tongue, you know, just, just left and right. And so uh, I've been calling her Peanut. I called her Peanut Princess the other day because she is kind of a princess, or at least she thinks she is. Um, and she really enjoyed that. But um, the interesting thing, the reason I'm talking about her is because just about every time I come home, if I've been, if I've been out for the day, especially if I'm carrying something, she is the first one to greet me in the hallway. I don't know what it is. I don't know if she has some kind of radar, like, Dad's close. He's about to come in the door. But when I walk in the door, literally, she's standing in the middle of the hallway. And as soon as I step in, she comes running up, and she gives me a hug. And if I have something in my hands, she wants to carry it because she's a big girl, right? She's she's. She's almost four years old. She turns four in just a, a few days, a couple weeks, uh, later on this month. And, uh, and she wants to carry whatever I'm holding. If we go to the grocery store, she wants to hold the bags, you know? Like, she, she wants to be helpful because she's a big girl. But the question is, does she really help? No. <laughs> Would it be easier if she didn't try to help at all? Yeah. Yes. Do I love her? Absolutely, right? Is it cute? Of course it is cute, but it doesn't help. It actually makes things a little bit more difficult. It, it makes things a little bit harder. And, um, and I'm thinking about that in relationship to how many of us, especially those of us who consider ourselves Christians, uh, we consider ourselves following Jesus. We've, we've surrendered our lives to him. And, and, I, and I, think, I think that image of my little girl helping me carry stuff is how some of us feel uh, when we think about the gospel. And, and the gospel is a fancy word for basically the, the good news about Jesus Christ, the story of Jesus, that Jesus was born, uh, he lived on earth, he, he died on a cross, and three days later he was raised from the grave. It doesn't stop there, of course. He ascends into heaven, and we believe that eventually he will return so that those of us, his church, those of us who are following him, we get to be with him for eternity. And, and, and we feel the need, I think, or, or maybe better yet, probably the better word really to use is we feel the pressure. Many of us who call, call ourselves Christians, we feel the pressure to help God carry the story because God's got an image problem, right? Like God needs a PR person, a public relations person to, to, um, to alter his image, because he's got a bad rep lately. Like his people, you know, haven't really been good and they've given him a bad image. And so 
For many of us, we feel this pressure to help God tell the story of Jesus. Now, does God love us? Yes, he loves us. Of course he loves us. Does he really need our help? No. No. The truth is, if God wanted to tell his story by himself without any of us being involved whatsoever, he could do a much better job than any of us could do. You see, here's the deal. Uh, as a church, we want to see people come to know Jesus. We want to see people surrender their lives to Jesus, meet him, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors. We want to see them experience what we've experienced, many of us have experienced, the, the, the transforming uh, nature of a relationship with Jesus. And some of us have been praying for people for years just believing that God would move in their lives. And so the idea of people meeting Jesus is a serious thing. Like, like this is a big deal, right? We're playing for keeps when we are talking about people meeting Jesus. This is not just a this is not just a hobby. This is a matter of life and death. I mean, if the gospel, if the good news, if the story about Jesus is true, not that Jesus was a good man, not that Jesus was a, a good teacher, but that Jesus was the God man who came to save humanity from death and destruction and sin, then people meeting Jesus is a big deal, right? Does that make sense? People meeting Jesus is a big deal. So today, I want to tell you and talk to you how, about how to tell people about Jesus like Jesus. How did Jesus talk about Jesus? How did Jesus introduce people to Jesus? In the church world, we have a big word we call it evangelism. Right, Like if you hear the word evangelism, you might think you're at a seminar and we're going to show you the seven points and the, and the Romans road and how you're here and God's here and there's a big cavern and you got to cross it, but you can't cross it. So you need Jesus to help you Tarzan across the cavernous divide that separates you between you and God, right? Um, and so, but, but, but here's the thing. All evangelism is, is how do we share the news about Jesus? News, not advice. Not, hey, I think this would be really good for your life. But, hey, hey, there was a man. He was God. He lived, he died, he lived again. And he wants to change your life forever. Like the news, this actually happened news. And, and the idea that I want to share with you this morning has, a, has such a profound effect that it will ripple through every relationship that you have. And this is, the, this is the simple idea of what I want to share over the next 25, 30 minutes with you. And it's on the screen right here. Look at this. The gospel works best when we let the gospel do the work. This is the idea that we're going to kind of break down this morning. And it's a, for those of you, if you grew up in church or you've been in church for a long time, this is an absolutely radical idea. Like this is, this is crazy because I am suggesting that in our efforts to tell people about Jesus, that God does all of the heavy lifting. Like all of the all of the heavy lifting, because here's why. I am not a savior, and neither are you. I can't save myself, let alone anyone else. So if there's work to do in, in, in getting people to believe the gospel, then God does all the heavy lifting. And I'm like a little girl trying to carry the bags. Right? Okay, so let's do this. With that in that in mind, let's look at today's passage. Luke chapter 20. Uh, we're going to pick up with verse 13. If you have a Bible, that's so cool. Open it up uh, to that spot. If you don't, 
the scriptures will be on the big giant screen behind my head. Um, this story is so interesting because it's actually it's actually brilliant because we see, like I said, Jesus telling people about Jesus. And Jesus has, has just instituted, think about this, a new way of living life with God. Jesus has just brought this new way of living into reality. And in this story, he's going to run head on into doubt and unbelief and hopelessness and sadness and depression. And I think if we listen carefully, we can learn something from Jesus about how to tell people about Jesus like Jesus. It's probably a good idea to tell people about Jesus like Jesus did. So, all right, here we go. Verse 13. Now, that same day, two of them, two of who? Two of Jesus' followers. These are not, if you're familiar with how, like the 12 disciples, these are not two of them, all right? Jesus had more than just 12 followers. and He had a, he had a whole bunch, and two of them, okay? Two of them, that day, they're going uh, to a village called Emmaus, which is about, Luke tells us, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So, so there are these two followers of Jesus, and they are, they are leaving Jerusalem, and they're going to this town called Emmaus. Now, I, this is where I have to be careful because this is a lot of what we're going to talk about next week. So if you want really the inside scoop into the whole story, you need to be here next Sunday. Next Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about Emmaus and what, where is Emmaus and how do we get to Emmaus and why are we even trying to go to Emmaus. But for right now, just know this. These two have left Jerusalem where, where everything was centered and they are headed to this town called Emmaus. Now, they are already in disobedience to Jesus because you don't need to know this, but, but Jesus told them, when I die, I'm going to go ahead of you to Galilee. Galilee is not, or Emmaus is not on the way to Galilee. It's actually a different direction. So they're not even obeying what Jesus said before he died. So they're, they're leaving, uh, they're leaving uh, the, the scene of the crucifixion. It's, been, it's Sunday, and they're, and they're terribly sad, right? Uh, we've already had like that real weird uh, encounter with some women at the tomb, and Jesus wasn't there. But they don't know this, okay? They don't know about that. Uh, they're, they're in a different part of town, and they're, they're on the way to Emmaus. Verse 14. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. What, what were they talking about? They're talking about the death of Jesus. That's, that's what had just happened. And so they're talking about this. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, look at this. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But check out verse 16. This is, this is really weird. But they were kept from recognizing him. So they're talking about the death of Jesus when Jesus walks up behind them and they don't even know that it's Jesus. They don't recognize that it's him. Have you ever watched people in a conversation? Have you ever, like, you can learn a lot about people just watching how they engage in a conversation, uh, watching how they enter into a conversation or how they leave a conversation. Um, and, and you can like, diagnose the personality traits of people simply based on that one observation, how they enter, engage, and exit a conversation. And there's this one personality type, it gets on so many people's nerves, including my own, uh, that, that I just want to call the conversation dictator, right? If you, you, you probably know a conversation dictator. Here's what, here's what happens. There'll be this ongoing, exciting, good conversation happening, right? And this person feels like they have a mandate 
to step in and hijack the conversation. Like, you, the, the, hey, what y'all talking about? Oh, hey, you know what I saw just the other day? And they'll, like, take over the conversation. Happens all the time on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? Like pirates. That's what I like to call them on Facebook. Like, dude, why are you hijacking my thread, bro? Like, this is not, I'm not talking about that. You just came in. You're a conversation dictator. It doesn't have to be about what you want to talk about, right? Do you know, do you know one of those people? Like, do you know those people? Some of y'all are looking at me like, you. <laughs> one of those people. I probably am. And you are too. Don't, don't judge me. You don't know what I've been through. Um, but we've all, prob- we've all probably done it from time to time, right? Like, uh, just kind of come in and change the conversation without anybody asking. But um, keep, keep in mind who we're talking about here. Um, if anyone has the, um, has the, 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 the right to take over a conversation, it's the one who gave you the breath to have the conversation in the first place, right? Like if anybody can just step in and say, hey, what you guys talking about? Let's talk about me. It's Jesus, right? Like, like Jesus, Jesus ought to have the right to do that. And keep in mind, his time is short, right? Like he's, he's only going to be here for a little while and then he's got to levitate away and, 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 and disappear, you know? He's, gonna, he's just going to kind of go away and vanish, right? And, um, and, and so he's just got this small amount of time, so he needs to hurry up. But these two people on the road, they don't have a clue who he is. Like Luke told us, they, they don't even recognize him. It's kind of like, how are they missing this, right? Jesus is the only guy in the Middle East with blonde hair and blue eyes. How do they not know it's him? And he's probably wearing his signature blue or purple sash. How do they not recognize him? But they don't know it's him. So um, it keeps on going. But I love this. I love this. <laughs> Check out what Jesus does in verse 17. So they're talking. They're chatting. They don't even recognize that it's Jesus. And then look what he says. He asks them a question. He says, hey, hey, what are you discussing together as you walk along? In other words, Jesus says, hey, what y'all talk about? What's up? What's up, guys? What's up? What, what, what are y'all talking about? But then it keeps on going. You have to look at the rest of the verse. It says they stood still, their faces downcast and the context is 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 that that Jesus notices that their faces are downcast and so he engages them in a conversation in other words the really kind of if you were there it might have looked more like hey hey what's going on you you look bummed you okay is everything okay like you you look really you look really sad are you doing are you doing okay and so so Jesus enters into this conversation concerned about what's on their mind. Then look at this, verse 18. One of them, named Cleopas, asks him, and he's about to ask a super insulting question, right? Keep in mind, he's talking to Jesus, and he asks this question. He says, are you the only, only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Don't you know what has happened in Jerusalem? And Jesus is kind of like, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> But he doesn't say that. Like, like Cleopas asked him, he's like, really? Really, buddy? Are you serious? Like, you're asking that? Do you not watch the news? Like, they, had, they, they live-streamed the whole event, guy. Like, how do you not? Have you been living under a rock for the last three days? Which Jesus is kind of like, behind, technically. Not so much under. Not really been under a rock. Been behind a rock. Jesus doesn't do that. He looks at him, and look what he says. This is, this is just... Awesome. Verse 19. What things? What? What 
God, hey, 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 guys, you look, you look really down. You look bummed. Is everything okay? Really? Don't you know what's been going on? No. What? What? Why don't you tell me? Why don't you tell me more about that? Jesus, Jesus asks them to tell, tell me more about your story. You look really, you look down. Tell me more about that. See, let me just talk just for a moment to those of us who are Christians in the room. We, we are not known for our ability to dialogue with people. Especially people who are either going through a difficult time or people who are, who are still searching and haven't discovered, haven't found Jesus yet. You see, we, we're really good doing one of two things, and dialogue isn't one of them. We're really good at monologues, pre-rehearsed monologues. All you have to do is like change the, change the name, right? Like um, monologue, like, um, hey, hey, what's your name? Jim? Jim? Jim, my name's Josh. Jim, let me ask you a question, Jim. Jim, if you died tonight... Would you, would you spend eternity in heaven or hell, Jim? Jim, what's going on? What's, what's the plan for your life, Jim? Hey, 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 sir, did, did, you, want, did you want Reese's or, or Butterfinger in that blizzard? I ain't, I ain't talking about it, Jim, I ain't talking about a blizzard, but there is a storm coming in your life, Jim. Jim, what's your plan for when the storm of life hits you, Jim? Jim, what are you going to do, huh? huh? Are you going to decide right now, Jim? You know, and, we, and here's the thing. We got the same monologue. For different situations, just change the name. Hey, hey, uh, you, 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 you low on money? What? what, what what's your name? You, you're begging for you're, you're begging for money. What's your name? Stacy, Stacy, Stacy. Okay, you, you need money, Stacy. I tell you, Stacy, there's a storm coming in your life. It's an economic storm. What are you gonna do, Stacy, when this economy crashes and everything you're trusting in life goes down the down the toilet? Who are you gonna trust? Are you gonna trust? You got, you got Jesus. You got Jesus, Stacy. You need Jesus right now, Stacy. You know what I'm saying? Like like the same monologue. Like we're really good at monologues, or we're really good at staying silent. We're really good at staying silent because we don't want to walk seven miles with people. We'll give them seven seconds. Maybe if they're lucky, we'll take seven minutes of our day and listen to them. But seven miles, that's too much. I'm not going to invest that much time in you. So, so when we come into a, into a conversation and it's like, hey, you look bummed. Is everything okay? Yeah, man. Well, that sucks. <laughs> Sorry. Wish I could. I mean, we've got the hope of life, the hope of glory living inside of us. And it's kind of like, well, I wish I could tell you. Something better coming along, the lining silver clouds up in the sky. It rains on everybody. Six in one, half dozen in the other. Y'all have a great day. All right. And we just leave. Like, we, 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 we either monologue them, we don't even listen to anything they say, or we don't respond at all. But how long does Jesus just let them talk? Like, if you just continue reading the story, they just start talking and lay it all out there for him. Look, here's what happened. We were trusting in this guy, and we thought he was the, the one we were looking for. And he's he's been crucified, and now and now he's dead, and, and all of our hopes and dreams have just been dashed, and Jesus just lets them talk. Question after question after question. And the answer to all questions is standing right there beside him, and he just lets them talk. Tell me more about that. What was that like? How did that make you feel? Man, I'm really, I'm really sad to hear that. Tell me more. 
about that. And then when he does finally respond, Jesus, Jesus uses the Bible, but this is, oh gosh, I hope you can catch this. Jesus doesn't use the Bible to prove a point. Jesus uses the Bible to point to a person. You see that? Look, we're going to, I'm going to show you that here in just a second. When he, when he uses the Bible, it's not to prove a point. Some of us use the Bible to prove our points, and then we miss out on the person that we want them to meet through the point because we've offended them with our point. I don't, I'm, I'm done proving points. I, I want to point to a person. And that's what, because that's what Jesus does. And it's so brilliant because Christianity is the only belief system. It's not about holding these points to be true, but clinging to this person in whom all truth lives. That's what makes our, our, our faith different than anyone else's. It's because we cling to a person. The power of our message is in a person, not a point. Jesus told the Pharisees, you search this book because in this book you think you found life. But this book points to me, Jesus says. And so Jesus unpacks the entire book from Genesis to Malachi, right? Because they didn't have the New Testament at that time. So he unpacks it all right there on the road to Emmaus. And he says, it's all pointing to a Savior. But they still don't know it's him. They still don't recognize that it's him. And then in one of what I can only call one of the most boss moments in all of human history, Jesus does this. Look at this, verse 28. He's just laid it all out for them, showed them how the entire Bible points to himself, even though they don't recognize that it's him. And then this happens. Verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. And in other words, he's, he's unpacked it all. He's laid it all out there. And at the point, most of us would be like, close the deal, pray the prayer, surrender your life to Jesus now before you die so you can fly and not fry. Okay? So... <laughs> Jesus does this. Jesus lays it out and he goes, hey, we're here. All right. See y'all later. What, what ridiculous confidence in the power of the story that Jesus can tell the story and then just say, you know what? I trust the power of the story so much. Peace out. Let that work in your heart for a while. And he just, he's, he's ready to leave. He's not trying to seal the deal. He's not trying to close it. We feel so much pressure to try to close the deal. If I engage them, then am I going to have to like pray with them to lead them to Jesus? If I, if I, if I tell them and I share with them what's happened in my life, am I going to have to like, like pray the prayer? What if I get it wrong? What if, what if I say the wrong words? Are they even going to be saved? I can't do this. And we, we collapse under the pressure. And Jesus under the pressure just goes, peace out. He's ready to walk away, but look what happens. Verse 29. But they urged him strongly. Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. In other words, Jesus is like, all right, see y'all later. And he's walking away, and they're like, hey, where are you going? Where are you going? No, 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 it's too late. Why don't you come home with us? I got some hummus in the fridge, some pita bread. Like, like you, can, you can come and relax for a little while. It's too late to go. We want Jesus is so confident that his story has gripped their heart that he's willing to walk away because he knows that what is, what is, what is ignited in them cannot be extinguished because he believes that the power of the gospel, that the gospel works best when we let the gospel do work 
It's like Jesus is working with this idea that I'm just going to share with them the story and how it all points to Jesus. And I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. I don't have a need to control it. He's so comfortable and confident in the story of God. It just blows me away. Like, do we have that much confidence in the story to just, to just say, hey, here's the story as I know it. Now you decide. Do with it what you want. But if, if we're done here, I'm done. Like, I don't, I don't need to hang around. Like, we can keep on talking, but I don't need to, I don't need to put a pressure on you to seal the deal. But then, but then they still don't recognize him. So look at this. This is, oh gosh. This is also where I have to be careful not to get, not start preaching next week. Verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open. Their eyes weren't open on the road when Jesus is laying out the how the entire story points to him. It didn't happen then. It happened when they're sitting at a table and he breaks bread and he gives it to them. Their eyes were open and they recognized him. And then look at this. Then he just disappears from their sight. Their eyes are closed. They don't recognize him until Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it and he gives it to them. Now, what I want to share with you, I do not know if this is what happened. I wasn't there. All right? Luke doesn't tell us. This is me. This is me sitting in the story and being like, well, what would that, what would that have looked like to sit there with Jesus when he broke the bread and he gave it out? See, they didn't recognize Jesus until, until he breaks the bread and he gives them the bread. You see it? Let me show you again. You can even come over here so you can see it. They don't recognize it's Jesus until he breaks the bread and he gives it away. They don't recognize it's Jesus until their brokenness sees his brokenness. They don't recognize it's Jesus until their scars see his scars. See, some of us try so hard to cover up our life and make it perfect. Like, we got to be perfect, and we got to have the perfect life, and, and how am I going to point people to Jesus when I'm broken too? And the, and the thing in this story that blows me away is they don't recognize it's Jesus until their hopelessness meets his scars. And then their eyes were opened. At that moment, when he broke the bread and he gave it and he exposed the pain that he had just gone through. And in that moment, something so deep and, and, and profound happens in their lives that even though he vanishes, still they will follow him. Because they've seen the truth. Not in the perfect places. Not in how all the story fit together. But in the brokenness that Jesus shows them. Look what happens. Verse 32. Jesus disappears. And they ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? And he opened the scriptures to us. In other words, they look at each other and say, hey, when we were walking on the road, did you get heartburn too? <laughs> yeah. I don't, what was that about? You see, only the story of Jesus, when told from a broken vessel, only then 
can that story open eyes and brand the human heart? It's only when the story is presented by someone who has been broken and healed in life. And when that happens, when that happens to you, you can't shake it. No matter what, no matter what life throws at you, you can't, you, you can't be drawn away when your heart has been branded by the presence of God. Yeah. Nothing and no one will pull you away from him. Has your heart been branded? Have your eyes been opened? Have you had an experience like that? Where, where you would be like, man, my... It's like, it's like up until that point in my life, I was living with my eyes closed. And then something happened and my eyes opened. And I see everything now. It's like up until that moment, there was this ice inside. And then when I, when, I, when I saw the truth of who Jesus is and the brokenness, it was like something lit inside of my life and a burning took over. Look, look what happens immediately afterwards, the rest of verse 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. In other words, they made the seven-mile trip again. They, they, they walked another seven miles. Now, keep in mind, they just told Jesus, hey, Jesus, it's too late. Don't keep walking. Stay with us. But then something happens in them that so ignites their excitement, so, so animates their legs, so, so burns in their hearts that the journey that they had just taken, uh, they, they take it again, even though it was too late to really take a journey. Do you see that? Like they told Jesus, Jesus, don't go. It's too late. Oh, wow, that's Jesus. Oh, we got to go back to Jerusalem right now. But I bet they didn't walk. I bet they didn't walk this time. I bet they like ran. I bet they're like jogging, resting, running. <gasps> we got to get, because they look, that day they did a half marathon. A half marathon in that one day, and they had no training for it. They just, they just did it. <laughs> I, I would have collapsed. It was passed out. Verse, verse 33, the rest of verse 33. Look what happens. We're, real quick, we're almost, real quick, we're almost finished here. Um, there they found the eleven. Jesus' Jesus's closest followers and those with him assembled together and saying, and this is what's going on in the group, it's true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. So some other stuff had been going on while Jesus is taking this journey with the two. But then look what happens in verse 35. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Then the two told what had happened on the way. That's all they did. That's all they did. They just shared what happened to them on the way. Hey, hey, guys, we don't really know what this means. Um, it, it, was, it was an amazing experience, but here's what happened to us on the way. I don't have a need to prove it to be true. I don't have a, I don't have a, um, a burning uh, inside of me to, to um, exegete it and, and, and make it apologetic of my experience. Fellas, here's what, here's what happened on the way. See, we, share, we, we shy away from, from sharing about Jesus because we think we have to do all the heavy lifting. It's not true. Just share what happened to you on the way. 
Share what happened to you on the way and when your brokenness met his brokenness, the transformation that took place in your life. That's all you have to do. That's it. You don't have to do the heavy lifting. Jesus does the heavy lifting. God does the heavy lifting. We simply share what happened on the way. Just talk. Engage. Ask questions. Walk seven miles with somebody and then be willing to walk another seven with them to tell them, here's what happened in my life. Sit down with people, eat with people, talk about life, and let Jesus do the work. Well, I'm not an evangelist, Pastor Josh. Well, you don't have to be. You simply have to have to walk seven miles with people and share with them what happened on the way in your life. Just what happened on the way. You are an expert at what happened on the way in your life. No one knows your story like you do. No one knows how you've met Jesus like you do. Just share that. Well, I could never be that person. Sure you could. Oh, yeah, you can. Just walk with people. Talk to them. Befriend them. When you notice something's going on, hey, I notice you seem a little down today. Just wanted to ask, how are things going? What's up? When they start telling you, oh, man, I understand. I felt like that before, too. Here's what happened to me on the way to there. You're on, the, you're on the way to that place of depression. You're on the way to that place of hopelessness. You're on the way to that place of fear. You're on the way to that place of purposelessness. I was on the way too, and somebody met me on the way and turned my life around, and I went a different direction. And I just want, here's what happened to me. I was on that way too. Jesus turned my life around. I, I bet he could do it for you as well. Last thing, look at this. And we're, we're about to close, I promise. Verse 36. While they stood there, or while, while they were still talking about this, Jesus stood among them. While they were still talking about this, about what? About what happened on the way. All of a sudden, Jesus appeared to everybody in the room. Here's what I want you to see. If we'll share what happened on the way, how Jesus met us, how our eyes have been opened, how our hearts were burning, how how he changed us and, and made us new. If we will simply share what happened on the way, other people will see Jesus too. We don't have to do the heavy lifting. We don't have to have the pressure on us. All we have to do is, here's what happened in my life. Here's how Jesus changed me. And I bet he can do it for you too. And when we do that, what this story tells us, They'll see Jesus too. Odds are they'll see Jesus in the broken places of your life. Just like these two people saw Jesus in the brokenness of his life. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we thank you, God. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.